Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back, wonderful slumber party listeners. It's your host, Tim Murray, and you're listening to the podcast where I interview Broadway stars, comedians, and drag queens about their slumber party experiences growing up. Today, we have a very special guest, someone who has been cracking my ass up on Twitter for many years and who I admire very much. She's the head writer and co-executive producer of a Black Lady Sketch Show, head writer of The Rundown with Robin Thede, and she wrote on Best Week Ever, and also she's a true connoisseur of reality TV, which is so important to me, including but not limited to Legally Blonde, The Search for Elle Woods. And in a very new exciting announcement, she's developing an, a remake of the British time travel comedy, Time Wasters. Please welcome to the stage, Lauren Ashley Smith. Hello, Tim. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. While we're deep inside right now, what are you watching? Oh my gosh. Okay. I watched so much. I literally hit pause on Married at First Sight to chat with you. Um, I've watched, I've blown through Bridgerton. I'm a couple episodes behind, but I'm watching Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, what else? Anything reality. I'm behind on The Bachelor, but watching that as well. I'm inexplicably inexplicably watching the mass dancer um because no. i'm a huge the mass singer stan and the mass dancer is not living up to the promise of its big sister show but i still watch it nonetheless lauren i'm not trying to be a butthole but what is the promise like what, <laughs> what promise did they make you about how good this show would be from okay. the mass singer the mass singer is incredible it's incredible. The casting is fantastic. The wardrobe is amazing. The judges are really, really compelling because you have a combo of like Dr. Ken, who's super funny, Nicole Scherzinger, who's like a real like dyed in the wool singer, same as Robin Thicke. And like, they just know a lot of people. And so the backstory to like when it's an actual musician or whatever, it's very, it's a great show. And like the reveals can be anything from heartwarming to disturbing. Like, um, it just Michelle be, from Destiny's it, Child. Yeah, that one was be, yeah. It was like so emotional, and so the Mass Dancer, on the other hand, is the reason why it's tough for me is because on the Mass Singer, for the most part, they're singing popular songs from decades past and present, so you know how the song is supposed to sound. But on the Mass Dancer, you don't know what the dance is supposed to look like. So you don't know how good or bad they are or what they're fla- like. You just don't have much to go on. You're just watching someone in a costume dance. So you don't understand. You don't have as many context clues to play the game along. Like as a viewer, like you can't be like, I know who that is because of how they move their knees because you can't hear their voice. <laughs> um, and so really you're just there for the reveals, which have been amazing. Like they had Ice T and Elizabeth Smart. Sorry for the spoilers, but like, that's what we're dealing with on the Mass Dancer. That range. 
Which is so incredible because the range is also that big on The Masked Singer. I did a recap podcast of The Masked Singer for the first season. And then I said, I think I got to step away from this. (laughs) Because, yeah, it was like, it, it is really crazy that you're, I mean, they are really doing the work of being like, we will cater to everyone. There are professional athletes on there. And then there's Margaret Cho. It's like mm-hmm. pe- people who are tr- tried and true, like kind of indie artists almost to like some of the most famous athletes in the world. Yeah. It's wild. I I truly am obsessed with The Masked Singer. And I, I really am proud of myself because I was an early adopter to the American version. Like I felt like before it became part of the conversation, I watched it the premiere night and have been watching it live ever since then. I am obsessed. It, I mean, there have been some really, really fun moments. The um, Ricky Lake thing was like so... Amazing. I knew it was her and that was very exciting to me. Amazing. And like, I love... I watch it with my wife and like last season Lil Wayne was on and literally he rapped like two words. She goes, it's Lil Wayne. And I was like, how did you know that? It's just really, <laughs> it's really cool. And then what I've also started doing is because I have a lot of singers in my family... I force them to watch it and be like, who do you think that is? Like when it's like real singers on there. And like my aunt, I sent it to her and she's like a big Shaka Khan fan. And literally I sent her three seconds. She was like, it's Shaka. Like she, it's just so fun to watch. I love it. Shaka Khan was on last season. She was on two seasons ago. Wait, that is so crazy. Also, I have no idea where this is coming from in my brain, but I had a dream last night I'm just realizing this now. This is so insane. I had a dream that I was at a Shaka Khan concert and she crowd surfed. <laughs> she jumped into the crowd. And it was like one of those situations where like the crowd wasn't great at it. So she was like going, coming up and then oh my back gosh. down. At, no, but we need not to be young Shaka. Shaka Khan. I know. Like not like today. Like she did it today. I believe, I'd buy that actually. I have I, no I, idea why that happened in my head, but. That's what my dream was last night. <laughs> That's really insane. I love that you love the show. Let me ask you. So your wife watches Masked Singer with you. Does she watch mm-hmm. reality TV with you in general? Because I'm having such a hard time getting Michael, who's listening in on this call. Mm-hmm. He's not a reality TV person. Does Is your wife, do you guys align with that? Um, No, she isn't. It's not her natural state. But she loves just, like, having the TV on, like, in the background. Like, I'm not a background TV watcher. Like, I can't do work and listen to the TV. So every time I turn on TV, I'm watching it intentionally. She's, like, playing games on her phone, looking at Instagram. Like, she just likes the ambient sound. But she does get a lot of incidental, um, like, uh, knowledge and then investment in things. But it's very random. But she will sit there and watch it with me, and she'll be like, only once or twice has she pulled the ripcord and said, I cannot do this show. Please watch it out of my presence. And I honor her wishes. And I can't even remember what shows. they. It's rarely reality. Like The only one that we really, we both really love Married at First Sight together. We both watch Marrying Millions and we both watch all the 90 day shows. Every other reality show I watch, she kind of watches as a bystander charitably to make me happy. I that is very kind and uh, Michael I hope you're deeply listening to that and I hope you you take notes that you should be uh watching shows to make me happy as as well Michael be inspired (laughs) 
this is this is our relationship goal, Michael. So uh, get into it. I tried. We watched one season of Ninety Day Fiance, and he was really into it. And then we tried a second season, and he was like, "Yeah, I think I'm gonna um, bow out." But the one that he jumped on that I was like, "I can't do this." Actually, is the Circle. Did you watch the Circle? I love the Circle. Okay, maybe I, I need to dive in. But you know what? My wife, the circle was one of the, sh- that was one of the shows where she said, I will not go there with you. She just couldn't deal with it. And meanwhile, and it's also, I, I will say, and it's not even about the show. Sometimes she can't deal with it because of the way in which I watch it. So I try to be strategic because I will sit there and watch seven episodes of something and she'll just tire of the rhythm of the show and be like, can you stop? And... <laughs> Um, so sometimes it's about that too, but yeah, I love the circle. Because you're a writer, do you think this is not a hot take, but that it's comforting to watch reality TV because we don't have to think so much about like how we would be writing whatever scenes we're watching when it's scripted television. Definitely scripted television. I, it's sometimes not as relaxing to watch because I start to be like, Oh, I see what they did there. Like I start to try to like, like strategize exactly what you're saying. But with reality, because I just have watched so much of it. And because I used to work in like, um, like pop culture, like recap type shows like best week ever. And, um, like other shows like that, I still watch them with like a producer eye. And I'll be like, did you hear that? They cut that confessional together. She didn't actually say that. Or I'll be like, did you see that? He was saying "Mm -hmm," to something somebody else said, not to what they just made it made him say mm-hmm too so but I, it's like watching sports for me like I don't watch sports but reality shows watching how it's how the people behave and how the producers make the show is thrilling to me same it's like yeah and and I think it, for me it allows me to like turn a part of my brain off that mm-hmm. like you're saying like I'm not thinking about the acting or thinking about the directing or the writing and I'm just I'm it's truly just enjoyment and I'm just able to like lay back and be along for the ride and I especially love the competition shows and the aspect of that which is why The Masked Singer I was so excited about and to go back to Nicole Scherzinger Mm -hmm. I mean this woman have you heard her sing? She's an incredible vocalist I mean first of all did you watch her on making it was it pop star i want to be a pop star or something when they put the band eden's crush together that was my first uh taste of nicole scherzinger she is a truly talented person she's sickening at everything she's a very very good actress she's a very good dancer and she's an unbelievable singer and i can't believe you just said eden's crush because lauren (laughs) i remember so vividly me and my best friend we would be like should we learn the dance? I think we should learn the dance. And I'll cut this out because it's not um, a visual medium, but I'm going to show you. It was... Da, 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 ba, ba, ga, ga. Oh my God. It was step, 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 legs apart together. And um, can you imagine being part of two girl groups and then still having like a huge successful career afterwards? Wild. It's wild to me. Like, it, I just, her career is so interesting and um, great trajectory. And every, but everything she's done has been on brand. Like, she didn't go and judge on, like, a fashion uh, or a home decor show. She is a judge on The Masked Singer, where she talks about singing, tone, pitch, 
um, the industry. Like it's all been on brand for her skill set, which is like perfect. And, and but it's also fascinating because like she has such a wide array, array of, mm-hmm. like a range of her skill set. Like the yes. fact that she can do sing Phantom of the Opera and Cats, and yes. also be a reality TV judge is like those are very different. And yet she's good at all of them. Yes, she is. And she's from Ohio, so or she at least went to college in Ohio. So mm-hmm. I have to so I have to claim her for that. Love that. Where did you grow up? I grew up in St. Louis, Midwest as well. Yes, Midwest. And then you, did you move to New York right after uh, school? Yeah, I went to college um, at Dickinson College in Pennsylvania. And I moved straight to New York, like, basically, right, like, a week after I graduated. Do you miss the arts? In what sense? Like, Broadway and stuff? Mostly Broadway, yeah. Do you like because I guess we still have like a lot of great music in LA and a lot of great uh, comedy, but it's none of it is really the same. Like, do you miss being able to go see whatever we fucking want? Totally, and like I miss like um, being able to see theater from like so many from like the smallest like germ of an idea to like from a reading level to Broadway and like even like um when they would do like the Bryant Park performances I would go to that or they'd go like Broadway on Broadway and like all of that stuff going to um New York theater workshop to see things or like just I really really truly do miss it because when I lived in New York um especially when I was younger I was like doing lotteries for stuff every day like my office was above uh the is it the Gershwin theater maybe but uh, I would go do the Wicked Lottery every day because it was right downstairs and it was like $20 and that was the only way I was going to get a ticket. And I would see Broadway shows all the time, either be it from the lottery or from like some kind of like hookup or student discount type thing. And I truly, when I moved here, I miss it so much. And I miss going to see improv shows. I miss the theaters being like a block away from each other. Mm-hmm. Like you could get from like 23rd to 29th to 26th super quickly. Um and it's just not the same in LA. Yeah, that element of culture, I'm like, really, that's the only thing about being out here that I'm super missing. And yeah, like you said, the mm-hmm. ability to just, especially plays, like non-musicals, sometimes you get tickets mm-hmm. to those for like literally $15 to see like yeah. a Broadway play with uh, unbelievable actors or yeah, like uh, a small off-Broadway show. And it's so, it was so it's such a cool thing and I know it will come back and it will bounce back. I cannot believe that you made the mistake of bringing up wicked on this podcast. Because... <laughs> I know. What have I done? <laughs> what did I do? You've awakened the beast. you awakened the beast. Did you see it? Did you win the lottery? I've seen wicked a billion times. I saw it on Broadway several times. I saw it in St. Louis at the Fox theater several times. I think I saw it obstructed view once or twice and then regular view a couple times. I think I saw it in Chicago, and uh, I think that's it. But I've seen it more than I can count on two hands, probably. <laughs> that is really amazing. And it never gets old? No. I actually listen. I'm not kidding. I So I have natural hair. It's kind of straight right now because I, like, blew it out. But I have, like, a big fro, and it takes me a long time to do my hair. Like, I have to, like, condition it and do all this stuff. And, like, it has to be soaking wet the whole time. So I just spent hours, like, in bent over the bathtub. And I either put on 
Legally Blonde the musical or Wicked and just listen to it the whole way through while I'm doing my hair. I love that so much. What made you get so into theater? I was going to say Legally Blonde, but let's take a step back. What What is uh-huh. your, uh, lo- where'd your love for theater come from? My love for theater came from, as a kid, my sisters and I, like, uh, typical, like, you know, creative kids. We, like, put on shows, love performing, did a lot of theater in high school. I was a show choir, theater program, speech and debate kid. But also, when I was in high school, my uncle was uh, cast in the Broadway cast of Rent. So I went to see him in Rent when I was, like, 14, 13, um, and on his closing week. So I got to see him a couple times. And so, and that's where he met my aunt. She was also in rent. My cousins are Broadway performers. So I love theater just in general, but it definitely was bolstered by the fact that like a lot of my family members are theater performers. Who did your uncle play in rent? He was Benny. He replaced Tay Diggs. Oh my God. I cannot believe I did not know this. I am freaking out okay oh i'm reading michael riedel's book right now which is all about theater in new york in the 90s and there's like two full chapters on rent and it is so so fascinating to me like the whole the whole way that that show came to be and this many many times it almost didn't come to be Mm -hmm. is really really interesting so you got to see you get to see it like in like the mid to late nineties. Yeah, I saw it definitely. Uh, Anthony Rapp was in it. Adam, what is, why am I blanking on his last Pascal. name? Well, uh, Adam Pascal. Um, uh, Wilson, I believe was Angel. Um, but yeah, I saw it. I went to my uncle's like last three shows. So it was like 98, maybe 99, not sure. That is so cool. When did you fall in love with the show? Yeah, I was I fell in love with the show when he got cast. My sisters and I started listening to it and like we listened to it for the whole whatever years that he was in it or year or so. And then so by the time I got there, I was like a rent head for sure. It is it's still to this day like when when somebody tells me they don't like rent, I really have to go in on them. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like not an opinion I'm willing to accept. No, it's, it's, I'm just like, what, what, first of all, why this? Like, what, like, why are you coming for this this show? Yeah, like, what, what are you getting from this? Yeah, it's so, it's so completely insane. But anyone listening, if, if you're looking for, like, a deep dive in a 90s theater, I highly, highly recommend this book because it's super, super interesting and a lot of like the the casting elements are really interesting especially because it's such a it was such a groundbreaking show in so many ways especially like showcasing such a racially diverse cast but also it was written by this straight white man who mm-hmm. it, it it's fascinating he he is an, an incredible person but there was so he had so many blind spots and st- at the end of the day like he still was kind of a stodgy straight white guy like he didn't want to cast Daphne Rubin Vega he was yeah this whole chapter in the book is like he just didn't think that she could sing well enough and he wanted to cast his like white friend and (laughs) they're like the producers are like uh no and Daphne Rubin Vega was was also like um 
I'm a rock singer, and this is a little lame. (laughs) (laughs) So there's like all, and like he, there's rumors that he didn't get along with Adina Menzel. Like there's so many fun uh, behind the scenes things about it. But also like in the initial incarnation of it, like a lot of the characters, a lot of the actors were white. And it Mm -hmm. took people coming to the show and saying like, this isn't bohemia in downtown new york city like you need to uh maureen and joanne joanne was not a character maureen was straight originally interesting i need and to read this book it's really fascinating his friend who is a lesbian came to the show and was like um this is bullshit like she would be gay and and they're like why is there not a black woman in the show and then they then when he started writing this narrative for Maureen, then they wrote Joanne in, and it was like, and the last element of the show that worked was Take Me or Leave Me. Like they didn't, they, it was a bunch of different songs between the two of them wow. because probably he was a straight white dude and didn't know how to write a song for women. And then I forget how it happened and I'm now mad at myself for what the like initial click was for him, but he figured out how to write Take Me or Leave Me. And then apparently like when Freddie Walker and Indina Menzel did it in rehearsal, they were like, yep, this is it. That's it. There <laughs> you go. Just, it, it, it's locked and it's done. Yeah. Because it was like, I guess Act 1 was really amazing for a long time and Act 2 had always been struggling. And then that kind of launches Act 2 in that a way that's it. like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, Search for Elwoods, the TV show. <laughs> <laughs> A combination of just uh, both of our interests, reality TV and musical theater. Uh-huh. Did you watch it when it first came out? I did. I did. <laughs> what, I mean, when when that was happening, I remember DMing with you a lot about the like resurgence of it happening for all of us in the pandemic because we were mm-hmm. re-watching it. Uh, who did you want to win? I, you know, huh, that's a good question. At, it got to a point where I was ultimately rooting for Bailey. Like, she was just the only option. Um, but it's because at the time, I was just like, okay, I I bought into the show's narrative that, like, they had to literally be Elle Woods. Like, not be a good actress, not be, like, not be able to perform the role, but they had to literally be her. <laughs> So they really did like, a good job okay. of being like, this is this is how it is, you guys. Like they really they crafted needs that to narrative. Become Elle Woods, <laughs> and I won't accept anything less than that. Literally, she when she wakes up in the morning, when she goes to sleep at night, she is not a Broadway actress. She is Elle Woods. Well, I, I guess she really did because we were watching reality TV. Like we weren't just exactly. we weren't watching the stage show. Exactly. We were watching but her I thought hanging Autumn out at home. Was, yeah, I thought Autumn was fantastic. And I truly, you know what? I will say I did feel disappointed when Autumn didn't win because to me, I was like, she's ready to do it today. And um, yeah, I did. I go see Bailey on Broadway. I sure did. I sure did. And in fact, in fact, I just remembered my sisters and I have a lot of inside jokes. We talk constantly. We're in constant conversation. One of our longest running like quotes that we say back to each other is 
in a very thick, like Long Island accent, hysterical, very entertaining. We say that because we overheard a woman say that walking out of Legally Blonde, the musical, at the end, that was her review. She said, hysterical, very entertaining. And that was 15 years ago for the most part. And we still say it to each other. Hysterical, very entertaining. Very entertaining. That, that was, was it was she boiled it down. That was her that was what she said on the way out. That was probably the uh the like clip under the theater. Instead of the yeah. New York Times, it was like Lady from Long Island, hysterical, very entertaining. <laughs> so so funny. When I I got a student rush ticket to see it on Broadway for, you know, twenty bucks or whatever. So I sat in the front row and I this is before YouTube. I pulled out my digital camera and I tried to tape like three different numbers in the show. And one of the actresses in the Greek chorus like stopped doing her dancing, slowly pulled her hand down, slowly put her sunglasses over her head, walked to the edge of the stage, looked me dead in the eyes and said, turn the fucking camera off. Good for her. I know. Honestly. I know. <laughs> She was in the right. I was. She was in the right. I was young and unafraid. My, Tim, do you know how many stage door pictures I have on from my digital camera from that time period? I'm talking. I whipped it out. I, I had a, a digital camera that took both video and picture, where you could turn the screen around. I had it out at the stage door for the color purple. I had it out at the stage door for Legally Blonde. I had it out at the stage door for Wicked. I had it out at all, every show that God brought to <laughs> brought to the <laughs> district. That, that digital camera was there. God is up there in heaven saying, we got to get her these pictures. I mean, that was so, that is so, so real. That is a time capsule thing. of Just like digital camera at the stage door and holding it out. And like, you hope it turns out great. Usually mm-hmm. it did not. Did not. Ooh, I saw Kathleen Turner at the stage door one time when she was doing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and asked her to take a picture and she she this was like the first time i'd heard something like this i thought it was so classy mm-hmm. she's like i don't do pictures but i'd love to sign something and i was oh. like oh yeah you better put up that boundary i 100%. love that and i love that it's like the boundary is there and it's clear but it's because it's out it's like but i understand what this moment means to you and here's what i'm willing to offer Ex- exactly yeah it's like completely, it's putting up the boundary and completely having compassion for the person you're talking to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who just came to see your show. When I saw Anything Goes, Sutton Foster and Anything Goes on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? I did not. I saw her in the Drowsy Chaperone, though. I did which, not see her in Anything Goes. Which, I mean. Her and Beth Level, iconic, never the same, perfection, everything to me, done. Uh, uh, unbelievable. I. A couple weeks ago, I put out um, a list of, on this podcast, musicals that I want to see become movies. And I Mm -hmm. did like a little escape room clues. And I'm going to reveal now, it was The Drowsy Chaperone. That is what I want to see it as a movie so badly. And when the night I saw it, again, student rush ticket, I um, Mm -hmm. I sat alone. I went by myself. Hugh Jackman was sitting right in front of me. Oh, my gosh. And I should not have done this but uh, again this is just a, a large okay you're saying a lot of things that you should not have done you and were this... tripping in the theater you were wilding out there in these streets 
was really, I was really taking a lot of liberties. I was, um, that's why I had to move to LA. I was, oh I was removed God. from the city. <laughs> I was asked to never come back. This was, this is worse, I would say, than the other story even. I was sitting next to these, um, Hugh Jackman was a big star at the time, but not like he is mm-hmm. now. Like, I think only maybe X-Men 1 and 2 were out. Like, there were no Wolverine okay. movies yet. And the people next to me shout at him really loud. We love X-Men! Like, screaming. At, and he turned over his shoulder and he was so nice. He was like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I touched him on the shoulder. I know. I know. I know. And I said, I have to tell you. I absolutely adored you in The Boy From Oz. And he turned around and he said, you know, people shout stuff at me all the time and nobody ever says that. And it really means the world to me. The lights went out. As he was, I was like, no, no, wait. I was like, wait, wait. I swear we were like, we were about to kiss, possibly. Oh my God, that sounds like an amazing moment. It really was. But also, if you're listening to this podcast, please don't touch celebrities. Don't touch people. Don't touch anyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not allowed back in the state of New York. Yeah, don't be out here touching people. Don't break the rules. Don't touch people. Don't take videos of Broadway shows. (laughs) Just always get consent is is the ultimate (laughs) end of that story. Um. But yeah, love, I mean, love the judges. Oh, so, so I'm seeing Sutton Foster and anything goes, Obama is across the street. He was giving a speech or something like at the theater across the street. I don't remember, but he, he was there. And the curtain comes down and anything goes. They they take their bows or whatever. And then the stage manager comes on the loudspeaker and was like, thank you so much for enjoying the show. Everyone, please sit back down. Uh, President Obama is a- across the street and um, they have to like make sure he can safely get out of Times Square mm-hmm. before you can leave. So we were trapped in the theater together for like probably 20 to 30 minutes after the show was over. And the whole audience just kept screaming, encore, encore. And these Broadway performers left that stage <laughs> faster than they were could like. Even- I'm not, that's not part of my, that's not part of the setup here. Hell no. They were like, we do this eight times a week. We're already yeah. exhausted. I'm, no. <laughs> it was like, encore, encore. And they were literally like, no. The and answer is like, no. The answer is no. And then when it was done, when they finally did let us out, everyone left at the same time, including the cast, which like usually the cast gets some time to like take their stuff off but they were were all like everybody go so we all leave a theater of like 1100 people or something and i see sutton foster come out the stage door and she just looked over her shoulder and i saw this woman go oh my god you were amazing and she goes thank you and (laughs) took off running running as this like tidal wave of people was coming at her (laughs) like oh my gosh terrifying it's terrifying. Truly, my terrifying. favorite part about New York, though, is that because I would say that for the most part, at least before in the time that I was like going, only a rare few uh, stars would get a car home, and usually it's because they like didn't live in the city or whatever. But usually it's just faster to take the train, and so if I saw a show or I just happened to be out in Midtown, like around the time the shows let out, you would just like see like. Uh, half the ensemble or like the star of the show just like on the one train uptown and I just like live for that 
it, it's, it's so much fun. Yeah, sometimes you'd see like huge celebrities right afterwards on the train. And you're like, oh shit. Sometimes I'd be holding yeah. the playbill from the show. Yeah, exactly. In. I love that. Speaking of huge celebrities, mm-hmm. can we dive into a Black Lady Sketch show for a minute? Sure. I sure. rewatched it this week in preparation to talk to you, and I was cracking my ass up. It's so good and so fucking special to see so many Black women being showcased and being hilarious on TV. Like, okay, the the number of times I just pulled out my phone to like write down names, I was like, mm-hmm. I am seeing Patti LaBelle, Tia Mowry, mm-hmm. Nicole mm-hmm. Byer, Cheryl mm-hmm. Lee Ralph, and Loretta mm-hmm. Devine. Mm-hmm. You had... Almost the whole original trio from Dreamgirls on Broadway. Yeah. Do you get starstruck or are you like, uh, I'm, it's not a thing at this point? Uh, it depends. Like when I'm in work mode, I just, I, I don't, I do get deeply starstruck, but not in the way you might think. Because so I worked at Watch What Happens Live for a long time too. And for me, so I would see celebrities all the time and I'd be so jazzed and excited to see them. But the thing that I get most starstruck about is when I see either someone that's very niche famous to me, like someone, if I, I would scream if I saw Bailey Hanks <laughs> on the street. Whereas I would just be like, that's very cool. That's Patti LaBelle. I'm like, be cool about it. But I do get very excited when I see people out of context. When I don't expect to see them, that's when I get starstruck and flustered. But I'm like, I know they're going to be here today. Like, it just do- it's a different part of my brain. That is a, the perfect way to do it. And I wish uh, we all had that skill. Because that's like, yeah, it's like, oh, if I have to work with them, I'm going to. I work with the Drag Race girls, like, pretty frequently. And sometimes I'm completely, I'm like, this is easy. This is, I knew I was, like you're saying, I knew I was going to see them. But, like. And again, back to a Black Lady Sketch show, when the day that I was working with Bob the Drag Queen, I had like a full three weeks to prepare myself. And then when he came in the room, I was like, uh, 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 I, uh, I think I think you're so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. stumbling over myself. But there's something about, you know that they're coming in. So it's not surprising you. So you're like, okay, I can handle this. Right. I can like sort of like put my fandom aside for a second. That is unreal speaking of bob the drag queen that sketch where he is doing the runway and they're mm-hmm. doing the, de- the depression ball had me the basic ball yeah the i was when when they just came out with those giant blankets over their shoulders and fell to the ground i was dying is it it was so fun is it so fun the whole time is it super stressful is it both it's fun i mean it's just fun and it's like a unique opportunity that like you just don't ever get to be in an environment on that type of show and that with that type of uh cast and writers room and crew and so it's just like i just try to like digest every moment and like hold on to it because it's just so rare and beautiful it's amazing it's also really special on our end as the audience to watch it like I was saying it was just like I'm like this is so crazy that I've never none of us ever really get to experience this until this time seeing black women doing comedy for themselves and then in turn for everyone because it is so specific and so great and yeah it's like so unbelievable to see Angela Bassett on a show and then 
also Cheryl Lee Ralph. And thank you for rewriting the Cheryl Lee, Lee Ralph narrative. As we all know in Sister Act 2, she does not like singing. Singing does not put food on the table. Singing does not pay the bills. And I believe in the sketch she was on a Black Lady Sketch Show, she was pro the fiancé dancing. Yeah, she pro was pro the, pro the pro- proposal, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I uh, love that so very much. Um, what were your slumber parties like growing up? Um, my slumber parties. So, okay, this is very, uh, this is one of my most, uh, sticking memories is that I had a cat when I was a child. I asked for a cat for Christmas. My parents let me go to the Humane Society and we adopted a cat named Melba, who I loved very much. And my, so I had Melba for like a year or two. And then we realized that my middle sister, Rachel, was allergic, like super allergic to cats. And like it was affecting her asthma and stuff. And like cats were like the thing that she was like the most allergic to. So I went to a friend's slumber party and I came back the next day and Melba had been relocated to my aunt's house down the street. And I was like, huh, (laughs) okay. Um, That happened while I was away at the slumber party. Then... I went to that same friend's slumber party a year later and came back and my aunt was like, yeah, Melba has been rehomed to another family. <laughs> and I was like, every time I go to the same person's slumber party, my cat gets further away. It was, it, that. that's honestly the first thing I think of when I think of slumber parties because of the trajectory. And listen, my parents are amazing people and like I'm not even really traumatized by it it just is very funny to me that like I was just I guess home so much that like the only time they could like make this switcheroo happen was when I was at the same girl's birthday party <laughs> they're like we gotta get Lauren some friends so we can get rid of this get cat. Out of here! <laughs> that is that I mean, that's a very clear sense memory every time you go to a slumber party your cat gets further away is sad but also so funny <laughs> yeah this is true that is that is so so good was there anything at slumber parties growing up that you were like oh i'm gay and i don't have anybody to tell this to <laughs> Um, you know what? No, because weirdly, and like, just based on, I mean, I am not an expert in any sense, but I definitely have read that like girls usually come to like their gayness and queerness later in life. And so it really didn't like come up for me, like until I was like way older. So no. That's great. And it's really interesting to hear that answer because that's my favorite part about doing this podcast I always try to gauge where that happened for people and it's always super fun and interesting and sometimes emotional to like bring up this stuff where you're like whoa I totally forgot that that happened and everybody has such a different answer which I think is so I mean that's that's so cool that you felt like did you feel totally like immersed in what was happening and you got you were enjoying whatever people brought up at the slumber party to do yeah like I definitely loved a slumber party like I was I like loved like um I just all the classics light as a feather stiff as a board like you know putting someone's hand in warm water like 
but it was just all there. It literally like, it just was so fun. And my friends were so different. Like I had a friend who was like super into horses. So like when we hung out, we, it was like more animal based. Then there were some that were like my, you know, my friends from like, you know, choir or whatever. So it was more choir, but like, it just was very fun. That is so fun. Did you, did you sing at, at your choir based slumber parties? 100. It was like always a lot of like singing and like choreographing dances and stuff. You were like, we're Eden's crush. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're Eden's crush, but we're the kind of pop star that only sings Legally Blonde remix. Uh, and I'm, uh, fuck, I can't think of any other Legally Blonde songs off the top of my head. I, I just panicked myself. I just panicked what myself. What you want. What you want. Thank you. Oh my God. Oh my God, you guys. Um, I love that. I, yeah, I love the games. And what you said about hand in the water, I loved hand in the water because I was a bedwetter until I was 16. So hand in the water oh. meant I could blame it on something. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I peed myself because you guys made me. <laughs> <laughs> when in reality, it was like, I do this every night and now you don't have to know. <laughs> So I'd always like try to encourage them to do it. I'd be like, we should put someone's hand in the water tonight. You know, I don't know who. And then I would pretend to fall asleep. Yeah, just throwing it out there. I think that would be fun. Did you You ever? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you go. Uh, Well, I was going to say that like one thing I've learned about myself as I've become an adult is like a key part of my personality is that. I love going, I love seeing how other people live and going into other people's houses, especially when I travel outside of the United States. Like it, a trip is not a trip for me unless I can go in someone's house. Like I, the hotel is great or whatever, but I really, if I go to a city, I want to understand how people live and experience life there. And I'm realizing now that part of what I really enjoyed about slumber parties was like, even at that time, I'd be like, I want to see my friend's room. I want to see what their basement looks like. Is it finished or unfinished? I want to see, like, I'm just very curious about other people's living situation. And that has not changed. It's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, it's like, is there anything better than when you're at a friend's house and their parents go away for a few hours? And you're like, how much more of this house are we allowed to see? Exactly. Like, can I get a tour? Yeah. <laughs> title of up can i get a tour it's so real when you when you first go into somebody's house you're like it, the one of the sweetest words they can say to you is like do you want a tour i'm always like hell yeah yes! i want to <laughs> know what and it's always super interesting like i i had a lot of other friends who were youngest children so going into other people's house and be like so this is what a big brother's room looks like right interesting and how different from the big sister's room or sometimes how similar it was fair it's yeah it's fascinating yeah how... and like i want to see like how are we getting to the backyard is there a sliding door situation is this a go around through the garage like what what are we talking here i'm very interested and i we didn't have a basement so when i had a friend who had a basement i was like now this is the shit this is you can mm-hmm. really you can really do stuff down here and nobody's going to know. You could paint the walls. Your mom's not really coming down. Exactly. She doesn't care. There's a lot of living that can happen in the basement. It's just very fascinating to me. The most like uh, 
a th- embarrassing thing of what my excitement to do something in a basement was I was at a summer party when I was like 12 or 13 and this kid in his basement had the old Power Rangers action figures and I said he was like do you guys want to watch porn and I said no I want to sit here with these Power Ranger action figures and I want to play with them undisturbed for <laughs> one to two hours <laughs> you do whatever you want to do but, but this is what I'm about to do. This is what I'm about to do. And no one is to find out about this because I'm too old to be playing with these. But man, am I having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, now is the time of the podcast we like to call, wait, let's have fun. And <laughs> this is where we play slumber party games. Are you ready for some slumber party games? Sure. Okay, I have a, kind of a hard one for you. Mm-hmm. A, a marry, fuck, kill specifically uh-huh. made for you. Okay. You you have to marry, fuck, and kill the Real Housewives. Oh, God. Bling Empire. Uh-huh. And Selling Sunset. Okay. This is honestly quite easy. Okay. Um, I'm going to kill Selling Sunset. They're, I'm not as... I, I I like it a lot, but I can't I can live without it because it's newest in it's not the newest in my life, but I can live without it. Um I'm gonna fuck Bling Empire because when I tell you I watched six frames of the show and I was in love. Like I was like love at first sight. I watched I was not even out of the cold open and I was like, <laughs> how do I get more? And um because I am a loyal person and because I value trust and communication and um uh I value a long history I'm going to have to marry the real housewives okay I ha- I in now now that I see this on paper I'm like yeah that makes total sense that that I'm 100% with that and you have been helping usher me into the real housewives I messaged you and I was like I don't know what to do everyone loves this show I don't know how to get in um because I had seen season one and season six of New York and mm-hmm. at the same time, I was watching Selling Sunset, and I was like, I'm going to be honest, I just am having more fun watching Selling Sunset. But then you told me about Potomac, and that is really my in. And my boyfriend, again, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't do any reality TV, so I'm trying to, and we're very together every for 24 hours. So mm-hmm. we're having to watch a lot of the same stuff, but I'm excited to jump back into that show. And let me just advocate really quickly for The Real Housewives. I can see where the disconnect is because if you watch season one, that's now almost 15 years ago. So there's not a lot of touch points for you coming in right now. If you watch season six, there's a lot of backstory that you don't know. You enjoy Selling Sunset because they're like, I'm introducing you, the viewer, to a world you've never been part of before. Watching Real Housewives is like being someone who watches like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Harry Potter. It rewards you for being someone who's been there for every step and every beat that's why starting with a newer franchise like potomac is more digestible because there's less of a long history did you just blow my fucking mind (laughs) that is is so that makes one so much sense yeah i'm trying to cram like i'm trying to start a novel at page 350 right and it's just not enjoyable because it feels like work and you're, you know, you you can feel you're missing something, but you don't know what it is. Exactly. And with Selling Sunset, same with like Love is Blind. I was like, yep, uh, this is brand new to me and you're, yep. you're making it so digestible for me. That is, And such- you're part, you're part of the conversation. And I know that like you like 
you know, based on you love social media and tweeting and being part of the conversation. And it's hard to get into those types of shows if the conversation is there's a conversation happening, but it's not where you are. Whereas if you watch Selling Sunset or The Circle or whatever, you're having a part, you're, ha- you're participating in the conversation on the same page as everybody else. Yes. Okay. All right. That, I'm, all right. Now I'm, now I'm completely sold and I'm going to, it, I'm going to take the sweet, sweet time with Real Housewives that they deserve. If we yeah. were at a summer party together, what movie would you want to watch? Um, Can't Hardly Wait. Yes, 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 yes. Melissa Joan Hart, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I mean... Seth Green. Seth Green. That movie is so good. My sister graduated high school in 99, and I remember when that movie came out, she goes, there's a movie coming out that's about my life. (laughs) I was like, I don't think so, Leslie. And she's like, yes, it's about the class of 1999. This is about my life. And I was like... Okay. 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 That movie's really okay. good. It's really it's fun. It's it's really silly. It's really and it really is like such a nineties time capsule. Yes. It's so perfect. Um, we have to wrap up before we head on over to the Patreon, but what where can people find you if they want to follow you? They can uh follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MSLAS, Miss LAS. Follow Lauren. She's so funny. I promise the the Twitter content is going to kill you. And we'll head over to the Patreon now to play a couple more Summer Party games. Thank you so much for doing this. This is really so fun. Thank you. It is truly my pleasure. Yay. Um, all right. Thank you, listeners. And we'll see you next time. Let's have a slumber party. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.